All right, if you have your Bibles, open them up, turn them on real quick. Uh, it's good to be here this morning. We're going to spend the next two weeks talking about what makes you tick. All right, what makes you tick? What makes you uh, do what you do? Uh, so if you have your Bibles, open them up, turn them on uh, to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40. And I don't know about you, but I hate being stuck behind a microphone. And so I, I kind of like to move around. Is that okay? Is it okay if I move around a little bit? All right. So um, anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about what makes you tick. And for each one of us, what makes us tick? What makes us get up and go in the morning? It's, um, it's different for each one of us. Uh, what you do for a living and, and how you got to where you are, it, it's different for each one of us. And, and what gets you up in the morning? What makes you go to work? I'm not sure. What gets you up in the morning? What makes you go to work? So what I want to do at each table is I want you to take just a few minutes and I want you to explain, okay, not exactly what you do, but explain why you do what you do. So just tell us. And for you, it might just, it might be a very simple answer where you say, you know what? I found this job on monster.com. And I took it and I've been there for the past 20 years. Or for somebody, you might say, man, I really love doing fill in the blank. And that's why I do what I do. I just met Otto and I said, hey, man, well, you know, why do you get up here early in the morning and, and, and clip, clip this, all this uh, stuff on me and, 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 and record what's going on? He goes, man, I just, I, I'm, I'm a techie. I just love IT stuff. And I said, man, that's great. So for each one of you, it might be different why you do what you do. If somebody random just walked up to you and said, why are you doing what you do at your job right now today? How would you respond? So real quick in your groups, discuss that question. Why do you do what you do at your job? Ready? One, two, three, go. Why do you do what you do? Real quick. There is a judgment. All right. What were some of y'all's answers? Why do you do what you do? What is the voodoo, as Hedley Lamar said, go and do the voodoo that you do oh so well? Paycheck. Paycheck. Somebody, somebody said paycheck. All right. Fair enough for you. What about somebody else? Your wife told you to. All right. Very good. Anybody else? What were some of the other answers at your table? Why do you do what you do? Satisfaction. Okay, satisfaction. Your job gives you satisfaction? Okay. It used to. It used to. All right. <laughs> you like retirement better. All right. Oh, there you go. There you go. What else? Why do you do what you do? Huh? Paycheck. Yeah, so that's what motivates you? That's what gets you up in the morning? Paycheck? Huh? Okay, I like to fix stuff. Fair enough. Okay, all right. All right, very good, fair enough. 
You know, uh, the question just becomes what makes you tick. And over, over the next couple of weeks, we're just going to talk about, man, what makes you tick? What makes you get up in the morning? Why in the world are you up at 6 o'clock in the morning? You come here to church and you start your Tuesday morning off with a Bible study. Man, why, what motivates you? What gets you up in the morning to go and to do what you do or to be the father or to be the husband that you need to be? Uh, for a lot of us in here in this room, I, I don't know, but I'm just going to make an assumption. But you might have a favorite or a life verse. How many of you in here have a favorite or a life verse? Okay, like two, three of you. Okay, very good. Well, I would encourage you just over the next several days, weeks, and months to start searching the Scripture for that favorite life verse. Because I know that there are a lot of people, both Christians and non-Christians, they have like a favorite theme or life verse. In other words, when this verse comes up, it can apply to anything, anytime in their lives. So when they're at a peak, at a high point in their life, when things are really going good, man, they turn to this verse. Hey, when things are down and they are down in the dumps, they are depressed, they are struggling, things aren't going their way, guess what? They turn to this verse. If things are just cruising right on along and they're on autopilot for a while, guess what? They turn to this verse. Today, I simply want to talk about my favorite verse because my favorite verse is what makes me tick. My favorite verse is what gets me up in the morning to go and to do the voodoo that I do. Uh, for a lot of people, they have their favorite verse. Uh, this past weekend, I didn't see it on TV, but every once in a while, they'll always move the camera and there'll be that person holding the uh, John 3.16 sign, right? How many of y'all know that verse? A lot of people, that's their favorite verse. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, a lot of folks, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 27, this is their favorite verse. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. A lot of non-Christians love the last part of that verse because what do they call it? The golden rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Apparently they weren't raised in my household, which the golden rule was, he who has the gold makes the rules, all right? That's, that's the house I grew up in, all right? Amen? And so uh, they look at that and even a lot of non-Christians, they love that. Love your neighbor as yourself, you know, you you, you got to do that. And so both Christians and non-Christians like that. You have Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declare, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. A lot of people like Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Whether... I mentioned your verse or not. Some of you might say, hey man, that those verses fall in my top 10 or my top five favorite verses from Scripture. Today, I just want to take a brief moment and talk to you about my favorite verse in Scripture. And my favorite verse in Scripture is found in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. And it's only 15 words, okay? This verse is only 15. Words. If you want to understand who Justin Hillhouse is, you want to understand what makes me tick, you can simply turn to this verse and this will be the summation of my life and what I do and what I've been doing my whole life. And the verse simply goes like this, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God lasts forever. 
That's it. Plain and simple. Now, let me give you a little history about this verse and how I came across this verse. First of all, you need to understand something about me. I have a horrible memory. Okay, and so some of you I've been asking your names over and over and over again. Please do not feel offended if it takes me a while to know your name because it took me three dates with my wife uh, uh, when I was dating her at the time to learn her name. Okay, and I liked this girl. All right. I'm serious. You ask her, I'll be like, so, uh, uh, and she's like, Audrey. Uh, yeah, Audrey. So, uh, you know, where are you from? I, I don't, I'm just not good with names. So you see my wife, Audrey, you go up, you ask her, say, how long did it take Justin to learn your name? And she'll say like three dates. All right. Three dates or about a month. You know, he's an idiot. I can't help it. You know, that's just, it is what it is. So understand, first of all, I have a horrible memory. And guess what? This is a short verse. It's 15 words. Okay, it's 15 words. So it's a short verse. Second of all, I heard this verse when I was in high school. I was sitting in service at Prestonwood. Jack Graham was up there, up there preaching. And he just rattled off this verse. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God lasts forever. And I just kind of, I was sitting there, I was writing notes. I don't remember what I was doing, but I remember that verse kind of stuck in my head. But it was immediately after church when I went to Sunday school that the Sunday school teacher was talking about having a favorite verse. Well, I didn't have a favorite verse and there were other guys and they were sitting around in the circle and they were popping off verses. And a lot of them were the same verses I had listed. And so as I'm kind of in the middle of the circle, like two guys had said, John 3, 16, and other guys said, you know, Philippians 4.13. I was like, well, man, I got to be different. And then I thought, well, I'll just be spiritual. And so it came to me and I said, well, the pastor said my verse, <laughs> Isaiah 48. They were like, well, what's that? And I was like, hold on, let me look it up. And so I turned to it and I said, oh, yes, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord lasts forever. And it wasn't until I got into uh, college and started really working in the church and being in ministry when I started studying this verse. And as I started studying this verse, it had totally changed and revolutionized my life. For several years, I'd just rattle it off. Hey, what's your favorite verse? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. It's a good verse. This is an easy verse. It just rolls off the tongue, but there's so much to this verse. And this is the verse that makes me get up in the morning. This is the verse that makes me tick. This is the verse I always turn to when things are good and when things are bad and when things are just on cruise control. The first half of this verse, the grass withers and the flower fades, it simply means this. Number one, everything is temporary. Everything is temporary. The grass withers and the flower fades. There are seasons of life. There are seasons for everything. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, or there are no ladies in here, so gentlemen, <laughs> you know, deer season has already begun, but gun season starts when? That's right. Not this Saturday, but next Saturday. Gun season for deer starts next Saturday. Which, by the way, duck season is right around the corner, and if you have a good duck tank, please call me. <laughs> okay? I want to... I want, to, I want to come over and shoot some ducks. But duck season's getting ready to start. We just got done with what? The summer? And now we're in what season right now? Winter. Well, winter. <laughs> yeah, Texas only has two seasons, summer and winter. And even winter's kind of iffy, you know? 
Uh, we're in fall right now. Seasons come, seasons go. There is always change. Nothing lasts forever. When you look in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 1 through 8, Scripture says this, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build up. And it goes on, you know, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them. Back in the 1960s, there was the birds. Y'all remember those guys? And they had this song, remember? To everything turn, turn, turn. Y'all remember that? There is a season, turn, turn. Y'all know that song, right? A time under. And they go, ding, 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 ding. Y'all remember that? Okay, it's a good song, man. Okay, if you go and you look at their vinyl, okay, go look at their vinyl. At the very bottom of the vinyl, that's the old record, you know, okay? Google it, you'll find out. Anyway, if you if you look at the Yeah, no, it's it's not the A-track, it's before the A-track. You go back, you pull their vinyl, and you'll read right there where it says lyrics by, and the birds actually posted this. They wrote on the, their album lyrics by, it says the Bible, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. That's where they got the lyrics from. And when you listen to the song and you sit there and you open up scripture, it is word for word, okay? When, during the verses, except for the two everything, turn, turn, turn. Okay, that's it. But they pulled that directly from Scripture. There is a season for everything. That means that there is a beginning, but that also means that there is an end. Okay? The grass withers and the flower fades. What is Scripture telling us? Everything is temporary. And by simply telling you that everything is temporary, and for us to understand that everything is temporary means that there is no hope. <laughs> there is no hope. It doesn't really matter. You know why? Because everything is temporary. It is not going to last. Uh, I was uh, doing some reading a few days ago, and I ran across... Uh, Guru Shaky Ahmad uh, Buddha. This guy is a Buddhist uh, uh, a teacher, and he was talking about um, the issue of permanence, and it kind of caught my eye, and I started reading. And he said this, and I thought this is a pretty interesting passage uh, that a Buddhist would even come up with this, but he said this, that, that impermanence brings us to a sorrowless state. And I went, huh. That's pretty interesting. Even those that do not believe in Scripture know and understand that everything that is temporary, that we see, that we touch, that we feel, that we have, everything that we have is temporary, and it leads us to a sorrowless state. In other words, we move into a state of, I don't care. Why should I care? And when you look earlier in Isaiah, Isaiah 22, 13, what does it say? Why not just eat, drink, and be merry? For tomorrow what? We'll die. We'll die. What does it matter? Who cares? It's not going to matter. Who cares if I hurt this person over here? Who cares if I uh, uh, cheat somebody out of money over there? Who cares... If I walk out on my wife and kids, who cares? It doesn't matter. It's all temporary. It doesn't 
really matter. But this leads us to kind of the second thought. First of all, we see here that everything is temporary. But then there's this second thought in there, and that is a conjunction is very important. Okay, Words are important. Because this verse says the grass wither and the flower fades, everything is temporary. And then there is this conjunction. This conjunction called what? But. And it's a big old but. Okay? The grass withers and the flower fades, but. Here's what we need to understand. Conjunctions are important. I don't know if you remember in school, uh, but they taught you conjunctions. What are conjunctions? Does anybody know? They connect two thoughts together. Okay? So you have the conjunction and. All right? There is a car outside and it is candy apple red. What did I just do? I put a conjunction in between two independent phrases that could be sentences. Okay? And I told you that there is a car outside and what? It's candy apple red. All right? And is an additive. Okay? When you use the word and, you are putting in more information. Okay? It's, it, it's what would be called an additional conjunction. Con conjunction. Thank you very much. Okay, it's early in the morning. Coffee hadn't hit yet. Okay, it, 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 it adds to the previous statement. There is a car outside and, okay, it adds to, I'm going to continue with this thought, it's candy apple red. You have the conjunction or, okay, or gives us a choice. After our meeting this morning, I'm going to go eat breakfast. And I'm going to get an omelet or I could get oatmeal, right? Who wants oatmeal? I don't want oatmeal. But I have the option. It's a conjunction. I'm going to go. I'm going to have breakfast. I'm going to have a ham and cheese omelet. Or I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have breakfast. And I'm going to have oatmeal. It's a conjunction. And it gives us an option. Okay? I don't know about you, but when I was a kid... Cartoons only came on on Saturdays from 8 to 10. Y'all with me on that? Okay. And uh, when they came on TV about 8, 30, 9 o'clock on Saturday morning, they had this thing called Conjunction Junction. Y'all remember that? Right? You know? And it was this train that would go down the tracks and it'd go, Conjunction Junction, what's your function? Y'all remember that? It's great, man. And then they'd have these words on there that would have and and or and then but. Now, but is an interesting conjunction. Because what this conjunction does is it negates the previous statement and draws all your attention and focus to the next statement. What's going to be said at the end. And you say, Justin, how's that work? Well, let me tell you what. Have you ever sat down and said... Now listen, babe, you're beautiful, you're great, and I've enjoyed dating you, but. Right? Right. Uh-oh. I think we need to see other people. What is she thinking in her mind? That, that she's beautiful? That you've enjoyed dating her? That, that y'all have had a great time? She's not thinking that. What is she focused on? I'm going to kill you. Yeah, she's focused on I'm going to kill you. She's focused on we're going to see other people. It doesn't matter what you said. The boss calls you and sits you down. Hey, listen, you've done a great job. Thanks for serving our company. But 
It doesn't matter. Yeah, you're can. I'm sorry, we have to let you go. It doesn't matter what he told you beforehand. Once he puts in that conjunction, but it doesn't matter what was said before. It is completely and totally negated. In the Hebrew language, a conjunction is used as a prefix for a word. The Hebrew language is a very delicate and light language, and it is it is created and was created to flow very effort effort effortlessly. Okay, when you talk, see even English, I struggle with in the English language, but that doesn't matter. And so. It is, uh, it's very easy to talk and the words, they just kind of flow out and everything kind of comes together. But in the Hebrew language, when you use a conjunction, okay, the whole point of the conjunction, especially the word but in our English language, it forces the speaker to have to interrupt the flow of language. And so that prefix on the word that they use in the Hebrew language is there when they talk for the specific purpose of interrupting the flow of the language for the point of emphasizing the next phrase. And so for us in our English language, we sit there and we say in English, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God lasts forever or remains forever. And we say, okay, we got that. But in the Hebrew language, when they say it, the word but is said, but it's used as a dramatic pause. In other words, as the flow of language goes on, all of a sudden you're sitting there listening and then all of a sudden it's, wait, what? It's kind of like a, 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 a jerk right there because it catches your attention. And so if a Hebrew was talking, he would say the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. You see that dramatic pause right in there? In other words, it catches your attention. In other words, you go, wait a minute, what's coming next? The grass withers and the flower fades, but... And this leads us to our third thought, and that's simply this. The Word of God is eternal. So everything in life is temporary. The conjunction is important. That's the second thought. The third thought is that everything or the Word of God is eternal, but the Word of our Lord stands forever. Isaiah writes this with great emphasis that so that we should turn our hearts not towards that which is temporary, but rather to that which is eternal, which is God's Word. And gentlemen, this is why Isaiah 48 is my favorite verse. This is why I get up in the morning. This is what makes me tick is because when I look around, everything that I see, everything that I have, it is all temporary. <coughs> However, I do know that there is one thing that will last and stand the test of time, and that is the Word of God. The world is going to change as long as God tarries, okay? As long as Jesus tarries from coming back, the world is going to change and is going to continue to change. But there is one thing I can hang my hat on, and that is the Word of God stands and lasts forever. Now, the Word of God is not just a good book. It does 
doesn't just teach us good morals. It just doesn't teach us good values. Rather, it has a purpose. And its purpose is to achieve God's everlasting desires in our hearts, in our lives, and in this world. There are five things that God tells us that lives on in eternity. First of all, God's Word tells us that we have an eternal purpose. What gets me up in the morning knowing that God's Word is eternal and that God's Word tells me that I have an eternal purpose. And this is key, gentlemen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. What is your purpose? What gets you up in the morning? Why do you do the things that you do? What is the voodoo that you do? Get this, the second half of that verse... What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? The second half of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. That you, look at this, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. My job, gentlemen, is to go and to declare the praises of God in this dark world. When I get up in the morning, I have an eternal purpose to declare to my family, God is good. When I go to the office, my eternal purpose is to declare that God is holy. When I bring my family to church, it is my job to declare that God is righteous. When I am out on the boat with my family, it is up to me that to declare that God is holy. When I'm sitting in the deer stand with my son, it is up to me to look at my son and say, God is good. And he's just not good in, in, in a temporary type of thought. He is good eternally. What makes you tick at the office? Is it just the paycheck? Or is there something longer term in, in mind? And Scripture tells us, hey, listen, First Peter... Chapter 2, verse 9, because you are chosen a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Oh man, that's good. I am the eternal king's special possession. I'm special to God. That you may declare His praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Man, God's Word is eternal. And guess what? I know from His eternal Word that not only am I special, not only am I chosen, but also I have a job to go and to tell people in this dark world how good my God is and how faithful He is and how holy He is. God's Word gives us eternal teaching. God's Word gives us eternal teaching. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. What does it say? In righteousness. We have to understand right now that when we do righteousness and we perform righteous acts, and that word righteousness is just a big word to say and to mean to do what is right. That's all it is. To do what is right. When we use the word righteousness, it means to make the right decisions or to do simply what is right. Right. God's Word teaches us to do right things. We have to understand that when we get to heaven, like, uh, gentlemen, 
Everything that we do is not just going to be perfect, but it's also going to be done right. So guess what? Here on earth, when we practice righteousness, what are we doing? We're just practicing for eternity. The things that you do here on this earth will resonate all throughout eternity. The righteous acts that we have. God's word also gives us eternal standards. And this one's tough. God's word also gives us eternal standards. It means that God's word tells us what's wrong in God's eyes, not what's wrong in our eyes. Because I'm going to tell you right now, culture has shifted, has it not, gentlemen? It's shifted because what was wrong back in the 1950s is now acceptable in 2019, is it not? Back in the 1950s, you never heard the term transgender. Guess what? I'm reading on Fox News on the way in, sitting at a stoplight. I'm reading a news article about how there's some transgender that's competing. And everyone's, there are people standing up and applauding and going, yay! There are other people that are just simply going, well, that's not right and that's not fair. Well, let me just tell you this. From God's Word and God's per- perception and God's holiness right is right and wrong is wrong and there is no middle ground and there is no gray area for God what was sin back at the beginning of time is still sin today here in 2019 sin is sin is sin and it does not change and it does not adjust God does not have a sliding scale of, well, this is sort of good and this is okay. It's either righteousness or it's not. That's it. And God has given us holy, eternal standards. The same standards that are in Scripture today are the same standards that we will live out in heaven and in eternity. Galatians 5, 19-21, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I tell you what, there's a lot of this stuff in here that maybe we don't do, but there are some that, that kind of point I like to point out, and that's idolatry for us here in America. Also, hatred, discord, jealousy, and fits of rage. I'll tell you what, sometimes there's, there's some of those things that I struggle with. I mean, let's just be honest here. I struggle with a little bit of jealousy every once in a while, right? I can't believe that guy bought that gun. You know what? I'm jealous. I'm jealous of my cousin. You know, he has a safe full of AR-15s. And he hadn't shot a one of them. What a waste. And I'm jealous of that. I want to say full of AR-15s. Let's pray for his salvation. Anyway. (laughs) Envy. Man, I'm envious. Man, there's some things in my life I'm envy of. Man, there are some on this list I don't have a problem with. But then there are some right here Deep down, when I start looking at my heart, when I start looking at my life, and there, these are God's eternal standards. This is sin. This is what God says is unrighteous. These are eternal standards. Man, why am I faithful to my wife? Because there is an eternal, there is an eternal standard there that God tells me, hey, listen, 
This is what it is. This is what it means to be a husband. This is what it means to be a good worker at the office. There are eternal standards there. Uh, Sorgen Kierkegaard said this, and I really do not like this statement, just to be honest with you, but he says this, the Bible is very easy to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. We pretend to be unable to understand it because we know very well that the minute we understand, we are obliged to act accordingly. How many of us are like that? Hey, I'll come to men's Bible study and I'll fake it, all right? I'll sit here and I'll learn and hey, that's great and I'm gl glad God's good and I'm glad He has a plan for my life and <clears throat> I'm glad, you know, when I get up in the morning, He's given me a desire to go and to do stuff. But you know what? I don't really care about all this stuff. I'm just going to kind of do whatever it is I want to do. Gentlemen, as we learn the concepts of God and we learn is what God as God teaches us we are held accountable for those things and to put those things into practice so guys it's time to stop being on the sidelines and start it's time for us to start getting out and getting in the game boys it's time for us to stop looking and wondering and time for us to start acting number four God's word gives us eternal direction and here's the tick Here's the tick, 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 tick. Here's the thing that gets me up in the morning. God gives us an eternal direction. You're wondering, hey, what do I do? What do I do? What am I supposed to do? Yeah, I go to work, but ultimately, what I, am I supposed to do? Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Matthew 28.19 Then Jesus came to them and He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples to all of the nations. Can I be honest with you? I'm the missions pastor here at Cottonwood Creek. And I hate to fly. I hate to fly. I'm just going to tell you straight up. Getting in a 50-ton hollow tube and hurtling through the air at 450 miles an hour, being driven by a guy I've never met, scares me to death. That scares me. And Stan, here's my, Stan even here, Stan, and here's my gripe too. This is what's bad, is you don't see the pilot when you get on the plane, right? You hear his voice when you're in flight. <coughs> You know, everything's fine, blah, 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 blah. We're going to hit a little chop. Yeah, nothing can go wrong. You don't see him. It's this random voice. But then it's when you land and you get off the plane, what's the pilot doing? He's standing outside the cockpit, high-fiving everybody. Hey, we made it, man. Yeah. Man, what? Stan, what are you doing, man? Not giving me a whole lot of confidence. Hey, we made it. High five. Yeah. All right. We're going to try it again. See what happens. What are you doing? <laughs> I didn't say which airline I was on. It's just I hate to fly. I hate to fly in general. All right. Mm. But, but let me tell you this. You see, I love Jesus more than I hate to fly. Y'all with me on that? 
I love Jesus more than I hate to fly. And see, if I look at this verse, I understand the grass wither, gr withers and the flower fades. That means that sitting in that hollow metal tube hurtling in through the air at 450 miles an hour, driven by a guy that I have no clue, that only high fives me if we are successful in getting to our destination. Okay. I understand that that is temporary. That means that there is a season when I am on the plane. Sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's five hours, sometimes it's 15 hours. But eventually I get off. And if I crash, what does it matter? Because I get to spend eternity with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But see, here's what the problem is, is we look at everything like it's eternal. Well, gentlemen, not everything is eternal. Scriptures even told us the grass withers and the flower fades. You say, well, it's embarrassing to go to the office and to live like Jesus has called me to live. Well, let me just tell you this. The office is temporary, boys. Isn't that great? Well, it's embarrassing, Justin. Well, let me tell you this. Embarrassment is temporary. It's not eternal. God never said it, but embarrassment is eternal. Guess what? Good news. It's temporary. Huh? Have you ever thought about that? It's temporary. What does it matter? Who cares if it's an embarrassment? If I live my life the way God has called me to live. If I cling to God's moral standards of my life. Who cares? Because those things are eternal. The things that I live for, the things that I do, they have an eternal mindset in them and they ring out through all of eternity. The things that I'm worried about are the temporary things. The embarrassment or what the boss is going to think or hey, I'm going to lose my job. Guess what? There's another job out there. You can find it. And if you need help, contact me, contact Justin, contact somebody. We'll help you find another job. They're out there. Jobs are temporary. But God's Word is eternal. And this leads us to our last, fifth, and final thought on what is eternal. And that is God's Word that is eternal, tells us to have eternal life. And that's what it's all about, gentlemen. It is all about eternal life. Our hopelessness, our temporary outlook on life, based on Isaiah 48, changes to eternal security. Boy, that's awful good to know. That's awfully good to know. There is an eternal purpose with every encounter that we have. With everything that we do, there is an eternal purpose. Man, I tell you what, when you think about your wife, when you think about your kids, when you think about just your family in general, do you have an eternal thought? Do you have an eternal purpose in your mind? Do you display eternal actions? Let me tell you what, are you leading your family to Jesus? Are you leading them to something that's temporary? What are you leading them to? Are you leading them... To the stadium, or are you leading them to Bible study? Are you leading them to the fishing hole, or are you leading them to discipleship? Are you teaching your son how to love God as you're teaching them to rig that hook? You know, one of the sweetest times I ever get is when I take my son to the gun range and target practice. This past weekend, he was with his papa. 
And uh, I almost cried. And I don't care if you know it. I'm a man. I don't care. I cry. Um, and uh, my dad was telling me, he goes, man, I, I took Colt out and we went to the tank. And I said, oh, really? What did y'all do? He goes, dude, we spent four hours shooting the heads off of, uh, off of turtles. Have y'all ever done that as a kid? It's so much fun. Oh, man, it's awesome. It's good target practice, too. You want to become good at, at, at shooting? You know, take a 22, go out to a pond. Now, just don't go out to any pond, okay? Make sure it's, like, legal, all right? Go out to a pond. All right, don't do it here in Plano or Dallas or whatever. You know, you'll get arrested. But go out to a tank, take your kid, give him, give him a 22, and say, the pond is yours. Whatever comes up, whatever rears its head up out of the water, take a crack at it. I said, Dad, that's awesome. He goes, yeah, but you know what was even better? I said, no, what? He goes, we talked about God. We talked about everything. We talked about when you grew up, Justin. We talked about uh, church. We talked about school. He goes, and we got to talk a little bit about God. He said, and that was the most sweetest conversation ever. And I said, while you were shooting turtles. He goes, yeah. Man, what are you teaching your kids? What are you teaching your wife? What are you teaching your family? Are you too embarrassed to go to your family? Are you too embarrassed to, sit, to stand in front of your parents and say, Mom, Dad, I love you, but you need Jesus. And they totally reject you. I'm going to tell you what, that rejection is only temporary. And guess what? They're not rejecting you. They're re simply rejecting the Gospel. But the Word of God is eternal and it teaches us how to have eternal life. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 10.9-11 That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with salvation, or for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. But I love verse 11. A lot of people leave off verse 11. For the Scripture says, whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. For whoever believes in Jesus will not be disappointed. Man, has Jesus, has Jesus disappointed you? I'll tell you this, He has never disappointed me. If anything, He has surprised me. He has shown me His goodness. He has shown me His grace. He's also shown me His discipline. But most of all, He's shown me His eternal love for me. And the same goes for you. D.L. Moody said this, The Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. The Bible was not given for our information. It was given for our transformation. If you're here just for information, then guys, you're, you're wasting your time sleep in. But if you're here for transformation, it's an eternal transformation. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. God, thank you that we could come here, that we could uh, learn from your word. God, thank you for Isaiah. Uh, for your prophet. Thank you for your, your scripture, Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but God, it is your word that lasts forever. And thank you, Lord, for your eternal love, for your grace in us and in our lives. Father, please make our hands productive as we go to our different places of work. God, may we go and, and live a life that, is, uh, that has an eternal mindset in it. God, I thank you for these men 
And uh, God, I just ask that you would, you would be with them, bless them, and bring us back together next week. We love you, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Y'all have a great day. Take care.